Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program, IU gets the season and the Mike Woodson era underway with a victory, although there were some scary moments in the second half for Hoosier fans. Indiana hangs on for a 68-62 win over Eastern Michigan. We'll be breaking that game down throughout the program today. Let's take a look at the show lineup for this Wednesday program, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, here in just a moment, Brian Newbert. He's the editor of goldandblack.com, a Purdue website on the Rivals Network, is going to join us because we've got a local topic to talk about, Trey Kaufman-Wren. It was announced yesterday by Coach Matt Painter at Purdue He is expected to redshirt this season, his first at Purdue. And so we'll get all the details from Brian and talk a little Big Ten basketball and also the start of the Purdue season last night as well as they were winners over Bellarmine last night from Louisville. So all of that coming up here in segment number one with Brian. Later in the program on Wednesdays, we always have Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times. Dustin was at the IU game last night. We'll do a full breakdown on what went right and maybe some things that went wrong. And some of the things that went wrong are things we remember very clearly from last season when Dustin joins us to talk IU basketball today. And then later in the uh, the show, Josh Cook, he's the sports editor of the News and Tribune, joins us for our weekly segment on local sports. We've got one football team left. That's New Albany playing in a football regional championship game on Friday night. Girls basketball season underway. Boys basketball official practices began earlier this week. Lots to talk about from a local perspective. Josh will help us do that later in the program presented by Major League Shirt Company. And that's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. And again, we've got an IU game to recap. We'll do that in just minutes. But first up, Brian Newbert, the editor of goldenblack.com on the Rivals Network. Brian, uh, some big news yesterday. Trey Kaufman going to redshirt, expected to this season for the Boilermakers. Yeah, uh, all came together pretty quickly. Um, You know, Matt Painter typically waits until a day or two before the first actual game uh, to discuss these topics with guys. because he wants them focused on trying to be the best player they can possibly be in the preseason. I think this, you know, kind of comes as a, a surprise just because you don't necessarily see players of this sort of profile very often redshirt. At the same time, really, it does make a lot of sense for both sides. You know, Trey Kaufman-Ren came in with uh, 
came in with a broken hand that he suffered literally the night before he moved to Purdue. That set him back about a month. He spent the last couple months really working on his body. As you guys know, having covered him, he's really, really intently focused on his development as a player. That's a big part of the reason he came to Purdue over, you know, a lot of other situations. He could have gone to Indiana, been the big man on campus. He could have gone to North Carolina, put on Jordan Brand, all that kind of thing. Uh, that stuff didn't really matter to him as much as his understanding of how much he needed to develop as a player. Purdue's reputation for that kind of thing really, really kind of won him over. Uh, so he's been very development-minded, um, and it was a little bit of a, a struggle for him during the summer. He is trying to transition, obviously, as as you guys know, into more of a wing player. That's been a process. He has to change his body a little bit more. He's made strides in that regard, but he still has work to do there. Uh, he has to get a little quicker, uh, things like that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a big transition defensively for a lot of freshmen. And I think he's struggled a little bit there. This will give him an opportunity to learn. But the biggest thing really is that, you know, I, I think where Trey Kaufman Ren fits into the big picture for Purdue long term is as a scorer. I think he's a guy that in time is going to be a featured scorer for this program. Right now, Purdue has Travion Williams and Zach Eady at center, Jaden Ivey at guard. And a year from now at this time, Jaden Ivey is probably going to be a millionaire. And Travion Williams will be gone. Zach Eady is probably not going to be a guy who runs the full, uh, a full-term college basketball career, if I had to guess right now. Um, so there's going to be a real need for his scoring that you know Purdue doesn't necessarily have right now. Um, so this will give him an opportunity to kind of sit back, learn, keep developing things like that. Whereas with Purdue, you know, Purdue has too many players right now, too many guys that you can realistically expect to play meaningful minutes this year. Um, and by taking a young guy out of the equation, I think they get a little bit better defensively by being a little bit less inexperienced. So I'm sure there's a range of, I'm sure there's always a range of emotions that takes hold for a player when this sort of thing happens. But the pragmatic way to look at this is this is kind of a win-win for both sides. I think it's really going to benefit Trey Kaufman Rand long-term. I know he has the right attitude to kind of deal with this kind of thing. I don't know if I've ever covered a more thoughtful, introspective, um, development-minded player uh, with the sort of self-awareness he has. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure he's probably a little bit disappointed he won't be out there this year. Uh, but I know he he was all in on on this decision too. Brian Newbert of GoldenBlack.com with everything you need to know right there on Trey Kaufman Wren and the decision that was announced yesterday that he is expected to redshirt at Purdue this season. Uh, Brian, it sounds like when it, I think a lot of people were initially when I got text and some calls and things yesterday when this was announced, people were really surprised at the decision. But as you lay everything out from a hand injury to obviously the depth that we are beginning to understand this Purdue team has, especially after last night's opening season went over Bellarmine. Uh, for a number of reasons, this this just seems to make sense. And so that's why I wanted to go directly to you today to start the program because I knew you'd have all the insight. Uh, I do want to ask you about this as far as uh, Kaufman Wren, his hand injury. Is that something that is better? Is it, Would he have been able to play last night? had this decision not had been made, or if he was going to try to play this season, would the hand injury have kept him out for a portion of this year at least? 
yeah, he's 100% now. He's been 100% for some time. It's just that first, the first month on campus, he was either sidelined because of it or he was uh, a little bit out of shape because he wasn't able to do anything for those first couple weeks. And the summertime for freshmen nowadays is basically what preseason practice used to be. So when you get set back in the summer, it really brings you into the fall kind of behind. Now, he stayed on campus this summer when a lot of other guys went home to try to make up for some lost time. I know he dropped like 15 pounds, as we I talked about before. He's trying to get quicker. He's trying to get faster, kind of things like that. But I still think he was a little bit um, – I, I don't necessarily want to say behind, but I, I think he just wasn't you know, where he necessarily wanted to be, needed to be, things like that. He absolutely would have been fine to play. The, the hand injury is – well behind him that was uh probably off the table by the end of july and in, in terms of being a factor or whatever he played in all the produced preseason events probably didn't play as well as he probably would have liked he struggled to make shots at times i i, I know he had had some some difficulties defensively as he learns you know um produce system from a defensive perspective as most freshmen do um but he would have been perfectly fine to play. And as Matt Painter said last night, this was kind of, a, as he called it, a 50-50 deal, where this is a situation where the light could have come on for all they know in a couple of weeks, and he could have been a starter for Purdue, or he could have fallen out of their rotation altogether. Because the peril in all of this is that Purdue's got so many players that there are guys who are playing for Purdue this year who are going to be not playing as many minutes as their profiles as players probably suggest they're capable of or deserving of because Purdue has so much depth and so much competition and whatnot. So the peril on this roster for everybody, with the exception of some of the obvious guys, the Jaden Ivies, the, the Zach Edies, the Travion Williams, et cetera, is that you might end up at times on the outside looking in of this playing rotation. And the one thing they don't want to have happen is for him to or for anyone you know to kind of waste a year here when they could have used that year to get a lot better and uh, I think this is kind of the kind of the view Matt Painter's taken with this program it's part of the reason Purdue is where it is right now as a program being number 17 in the country and uh, one of the, the forerunners in the Big Ten right now is because they've been so committed to developing guys. Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis, Sasha Stefanovich are all guys on this roster right now who redshirted. He's got veterans on this team now that you've been able to keep into the program. He always looks at the big picture before the small picture. And I know that um, a lot of people would say this could be a special season. You need all hands on deck. But the part of the reason Purdue's probably positioned for a special season is because they've taken this very view on things and they've tried to absolutely maximize the value of every asset in their program. Brian Newbert, he's the editor of GoldenBlack.com, a Purdue website on the Rivals Network, joining us to talk about Trey Kaufman-Wren, Silver Creek product, and of course the decision announced yesterday that he is expected to redshirt this season at Purdue. Uh, Brian, you're a great, uh, under, have great understanding of the Big Ten Conference, Purdue and all the teams, so while we've got you for a few moments, I do want to talk some Big Ten hoops with you. Last night, 11 Big Ten teams in action, Purdue with a convincing win, 96-67 over Bellarmine. Of course, Indiana ekes by Eastern Michigan, 68-62. And another surprising result was it took a last-second shot right at the rim by Ohio State, 
to defeat in-state mid-major program Akron. Uh, that was a very surprising, I thought, Big Ten result in night one. But take us through what you saw in the opening night of Big Ten play in these non-conference games. Yeah, I just scanned the scores last night. Obviously, I didn't get to see anybody play because I was at the Purdue game. But I think, you know, it's an interesting year in college basketball, you know, um, because the transfer era is upon us. And I think these teams are, a lot of these teams are less known as commodities than they would have been a few years back because the Big Ten has always been that program where you bring in, you bring in guys as freshmen, you keep them, you know, through their juniors to junior to senior year. Now you're bringing in all these guys off the transfer portal and it, there's there's going to be a process involved for those guys. Uh, you know, Ohio State's breaking in a new point guard. Michigan State's breaking in a new point guard. Indiana has a bunch of transfers. Maryland, their success this season is going to be predicated on those two transfers they brought in and, and how good those guys are. Michigan is always plugging and playing guys they pull off the transfer wire. You just don't know what these teams are all about as much now as you did a couple years back. So I think it's it's going to be pretty natural every year for there to be a little bit of turbulence early in the year. That's probably something you can say about everybody in college basketball who's who's working the transfer wire. But I think it's going to be especially acute in the Big Ten just because you're so used to these teams bringing back the same guys every year and knowing what they're all about. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all to see, you know, maybe Indiana struggle a little bit in the second half. It doesn't surprise me at all to see, to see Ohio State have to sweat a little bit. Now that's the position Purdue's in that a lot of people aren't in is that Purdue has the same guys playing now with the exception of the freshmen that they were playing at the end of last year. They have to make sure that continuity really matters for them. Uh, they're not really breaking in any sort of really, really influential uh, sort of presence here. So they have to play like a veteran team from day one um, because a lot of teams are going to be going through some things that maybe Purdue isn't necessarily going through here, but, I know Nebraska lost. I know uh, um, everybody else pretty much rolled, I think, other than the teams we already talked about here. But I think there, there's going to be some turbulence for some of these teams early in the season. I think you saw that last night. Brian, while we've got you on the line, I had a texter write in. Uh, the deal with Trey Coffin redshirting, if, if this all holds true this season and he does redshirt, which I think is what's expected to happen, obviously, at this point. Uh, can he still practice with the team? What are the rules for a redshirt and what they can and can't do? Yeah, um, he can practice all year long, um, and uh, he could play in the preseason events. Now, for true freshmen, you can play in the exhibition games and stuff and still redshirt. If it was a returning player, for whatever reason, I don't know why the NCAA rules are this way, but I don't, I'm done trying to explain NCAA rules. Um, <laughs> If it were a, a returning player, those players could not have played in the preseason events and still redshirt. Um, so he's good. He played in Purdue's private scrimmage at Providence. He played in their exhibition game against the University of Indianapolis. And now he can practice all year long. He just can't set foot on the floor in a game and still redshirt. Um, so that's how the rules work. Makes sense. Brian Newbert, he's the editor of goldandblack.com. When we need something from a Purdue perspective or something about the Boilermakers, and of course with Trey Kaufman, Wren there, we'll be tracking him closely as he's a local product to us here in southern Indiana. Brian Newbert is our go-to guy. Brian, thanks for all the insight. Always great to catch up, and we'll uh, talk later this basketball season, I'm sure. Anytime, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Brian Newbert, the editor of goldenblack.com, joining us again 
A big announcement yesterday from Purdue. That's that Trey Kaufman Wren is expected to redshirt this season. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Send in your thoughts on the IU game last week. We're going to be talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times in the next segment. A couple early text in. Uh, texter writes, Race Thompson can't believe the way his game has changed. Very impressive. Another texter after the game last night says, I like the flow of how IU men's basketball played. Just got to do the little things like focus on free throws and turn nervous legs into excitement and confidence when you shoot the ball. They will be fine. Those are a couple early comments on the Hoosiers for this season. You can send in your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line each day during the program at 502-414-1450. And as we go to break, one quick note. I just saw Zach Osterman tweet this out as we came on the air. IU's opponent Friday, their next game, Northern Illinois, defeated Washington in Seattle last night. They held Washington to 17 of 57 on twos and just 3 of 18 on threes. That 3 of 18 sounds very comparable to the 4 of, what, 23 threes Indiana was successful at last night. So, uh, obviously, uh, the Northern Illinois team is a legitimate opponent, it looks like, and they are going to take on Indiana next on Friday in Assembly Hall. We'll head to a quick break. We're back to recap, break down, discuss all the good and bad from last night's IU win over Eastern Michigan, the first game of Coach Woodson's career at IU. We'll do that next. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Wednesday program. Dustin Dopirak, he's the IU beat writer for the Bloomington Herald Times, is with me. We've got a lot to unpack from last night's first game of the season for the Indiana Hoosiers and, of course, first game ever with Mike Woodson on the sidelines as the team's head coach. Dustin, I thought some good and bad early on. Indiana looked great in the first half. They, uh, After the game basically being tied up, they went on another big run to take a commanding halftime lead. And I thought this is kind of par for the course. This is what we expected, a team that's had a couple exhibition games in the Bahamas and a secret scrimmage so far. Uh, they're ready to roll uh, against some of this kind of lackluster competition early on. But, boy, were we mistaken because Eastern Michigan made a game of it in the second half. Yeah, you, you very much saw some defensive breakdowns when you didn't really see that at all in the first half. I mean, I think Eastern Michigan missed its first 11 shots. And it just seemed like okay, it, it, it definitely seemed to play to form when Mike Woodson really said that the defense was way ahead of the offense. Uh, that certainly seemed to be the case early, and the defense seemed to be pretty far along in terms of its ability to lock down on guys and not give up shots. 
contest everything and rebound, but I mean, they really did sort of seem to drift. I think, uh, uh, you know, Woodson definitely said afterwards that it, that it seemed like they got too comfortable with the lead uh, and got soft and, you know, weren't contesting really shots as well as, as they had been. You know, Farrakhan really goes off late when they, they'd kept him to nothing. Um, I think he was 0 of his first 13, and he made five of his last eight, including a couple threes in there. Uh, and they just started to drift a little bit, and obviously that's an issue in and of itself. I mean, if, if you're going to uh, try to win on defense, that can't let up. Um, it, it's not a situation where, like, if you can score a lot, you can go a couple possessions when you're not uh, you when you're not getting buckets. You can you, it's not that you can take plays off, but you can go into a into a rough spell and come back out of it. Uh, if you're gonna, you know make your way on defense. I mean, it really has to go hard the entire way. Um, and they, they really drifted and they, they allowed a, a not that great Eastern Michigan team back in it. Obviously there's a little bit of talent on that squad, uh, but uh, it, it, it definitely stands out. It's obviously, again, first game. Um, you, you don't see a lot of good basketball in the first game generally uh, across the country. Obviously Virginia got beat last night by Navy. Ohio State uh, needed a last second shot to beat, beat uh, Akron. So it's not like uh Indiana's the only team struggling with somebody sort of below their level. Um, but definitely some things that you, you look at and say, ah, that, that, that's an issue right there. Let's talk about some of those issues. Shooting, I think, is probably the first and foremost one we have to mention. Uh, Indiana, sure. once again, very woeful when it comes to shooting the ball from the floor, including the three-point arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 4-24 and is not the way you want to start. I think uh, an interesting question somebody asked me, I mean, uh, you know, Parker Stewart hits two of those. Uh, he didn't take a shot after the 14-minute mark in the first half. Um, and someone asked, you know, why weren't they getting him the ball? And that's a really good question. Uh, one, I, I feel like i got to rewatch the game to see just what, you know, what changed that Eastern Michigan lock up on him once they saw him hit a couple shots. Uh, did they not run anything for him? Was he not getting open? Was he passing up shots? Uh, just what all led to that fact. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you, you do, you know, we, we've been talking about this a lot all off season. I mean, obviously – you look at it and say, well, Mike Woodson addressed it by recruiting some shooting, by going after um, getting Miller Cop, obviously, from Northwestern, who you've seen make some threes, uh, getting Tamar Bates, a guy that, that shot 40% at IMG last year. Um, but, you know, it, it's not a solved problem. And you, and you forget they lost their three best shooters uh, from last year in Armand Franklin, Al Durham, and uh, Jerome Hunter. I mean, Hunter had an, an, a, the equal number of uh, – threes made than Rob Finnessy did, but shot him in a much higher clip. So you get rid of your three best guys, and you, I mean, did they really replace them? Um, and when they weren't really a good shooting team to begin with, I mean, Kopp and Stewart have uh, have made more in their career, but but all the same, that's just two guys. And Miller Kopp didn't make any last night. You know, hit one kind of one two point runner and didn't hit any threes. Uh, so it is an issue. I mean, they they definitely again address the problem to a certain extent, um, but uh, they still don't have a lot of guys that can hit them. Um, and it, they have to be prepared for it to be an issue, and especially if they're going to play four out, one in, and they want to play with a spread out floor. Uh, they've got to make some three-point shots, and they haven't proven they can do it yet. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times, recapping last night's narrow win for IU over Eastern Michigan. Uh, a couple positives. Trace Jackson Davis dominated. He looked very good, I thought, for much of the game, and I think he has to look that way for Indiana to have the type of success people are hoping for in year one of Mike Woodson. But I also thought that Race Thompson looked like he could be a real difference maker this year for the Hoosiers as well. Yeah, I know those two guys I think really picked up uh, – more than picked up where they left off. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, I think, is clearly further along. You, you definitely saw uh, the 
evidence of what they have been focusing on with him. I mean, obviously, he, I, I, I think he made a point uh, to hit a deep jumper last night. I mean, he hit one about 17, 18 feet, maybe a step or two inside uh, the three-point line and wanted to show that he was confident and he could hit that shot. Um, but a lot of the other stuff is stuff you've seen him do before. I mean, it seemed like it was a little bit better. I mean, I think he's, um, he's worked on passing out of double teams. I mean, I, I think that was one thing that I don't know that I've really seen him do um, before at the same level, just to, just to you know, take that, that pass, you know, sit there in the post and wait for a couple defenders to come to you and then find the guy out on the perimeter for the three. Uh, you know, there was, they missed a lot of those, but, I mean, he found Xavier Johnson for one of those sort of pop-out ones. Um, and, you know, so you saw that part of his game expand. I thought you saw some nice moves. I think I saw at least one uh, where he just dribbled and finished with the right hand that you're seeing him work on that piece. Um, but, you know, just also the rim running, um, the, the, the play of the game, obviously, is when he has the uh, the one slot and then he runs down the other end of the floor for the uh, and, and puts down the alley-oop for Xavier Johnson. Just really looked like a guy that was at a different level than anybody Eastern Michigan was putting on the floor, uh, and they didn't really have an answer for him. I think it was 21-14. I think he had two or three assists. Uh, and two. I think he was supposed to two blocks, but I think he probably deserved more than that. He was just doing a really good job of rim protection, uh, you know, getting over there from the weak side to block some shots. Um, so I thought a really impressive game from him all around. And, uh, you know, Ray Thompson, again, is a guy that you saw um, last year start to do, start to be the guy that does all of Indiana's dirty work. And you saw that last night. I mean, he was two six from the field. Uh, and that's not great. You wanted to see the three-point shot go down for him, and he was 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, and, and so that's obviously a concern as far as how they want to play offense. But, you know, I think 10 rebounds. I want to say he had three assists. I think he had at least two blocks, and he had a steal. Uh, just doing everything um, as far as, especially on the defensive end. Uh, he was a guy that can defend multiple positions. He can guard a lot. Um, and and it, it, it comes back to one of those issues there. Is that, I mean, they do want him to be a stretch, stretch four, but even if he's not, uh, I don't think he's a guy that you can take off the board just because of all the other things he does for you, just the way he can uh, you know, play defense, get you going on the break, and certainly rebound. Uh, they, they weren't getting a lot done on the glass outside of uh, Jackson Davis and Ray Thompson, but those guys really, really got a lot done there. So uh, you, you saw just the, just the impact that Ray Thompson can have even if he's not hitting shots. Dustin, another IU player I wanted to talk about today was Xavier Johnson. Uh, was probably as interested to see him and Tamar Bates as anyone else on the IU roster and how they fit in with things. And Xavier had, a, I thought, a really tough start. You're kind of scratching your head at times in the first half, but he finished really strong in the game and I thought really turned it on as the game went on, finished with 14 points and looked good in control of the basketball. Uh, your thoughts, your takeaway on Xavier Johnson, if he's going to be maybe the point guard solution for this team this season. Right, absolutely. Now, I mean, I would say you had to give the girls a rough fantasy, too. You clearly, you clearly saw the aggression. He wasn't hitting the shot. Uh, but it definitely, that's as free-flowing and as, uh, I guess, unencumbered as I would say it. I've seen Rob Finnessy in four years. I mean, he was not afraid to shoot anything. Um, and that, I think, is, is that tells you something. Uh, now, Johnson has never been afraid to shoot anything. He's never been afraid to attack off the dribble. Uh, I, I think you definitely saw the good and the bad. I mean, he was as advertised, uh, really, uh, as far as he's, he's explosive. He can be a guy that um, he's probably going to be the best guy as far as breaking the opponent down off the dribble uh, that they have at this point. Maybe Tamar Bates might get there, too, but, but Johnson is going to be a guy definitely from day one uh, that's going to be able to make some stuff happen off the bounce. He clearly did. I mean, he, Really got a bucket to put the game away. Um, you know, even like they just let him go. I mean, he, he just had an easy lane to a layup, which I didn't really understand from Eastern Michigan's point. 
but just seeing him, he can hit the occasional three again. He can attack off the bounce. Um, and he can make stuff happen on defense by just being a gambler, but uh, he is going to gamble. He's going to drive you crazy sometimes. It's not the same type of player, but like you know, the way that Devontae Green used to drive you crazy is the way that Xavier Johnson might drive you crazy. If, if, if you're an Indiana fan, you've got to be willing to take the good with the bad for him, uh, or the bad with the good, I guess. I mean, he's going to do some things and be a bit of like, Xavier, what are you doing? Um, but you know, that's the trade-off, is that he's going to make some special plays and he's going to make some plays to make you think, David, why, why on earth did you try that pass? Why? And there was at least one he tried to force when he was uh, trying to do a drive and dish and threw it into, like, two bodies. Um, and, you know, I think he said that uh, uh, Mike Woodson, I think he used the phrase too cute as far as the dribbling was concerned or too slick or something like that. Uh, it's it's going to be an issue. I mean, that's his career. I mean, his turnover numbers are darn near double um, what what Rob Finnessy's have been. Uh, and his, you know, he he commits a lot of fouls. He takes a lot of shots. Um, you know, he he can be a wild one as far as how he plays. But that's you know, but sometimes you're going to get something out of that. I mean, he had 14. He was their second leading scorer. Uh, they had a hard time getting anybody else other than Jackson Davis going on the offensive end. And Johnson clearly had to get something done. Um, so that's. That's who he's going to be, man. I mean, everybody's got to uh, be prepared, I think, for that. It's, it's, it, you know, he, I think they can make him a little bit more disciplined, but only so much. I mean, you can only get him to change his stripes to some degree. He's going to be a guy that's going to score with aggression, and he's going to make make mistakes with aggression. So that's that's the player you're watching for. So he, he is your, you know, uh, he is your Maylox guy this year. He is going to be the guy that, that has Indiana fans reaching for the NS because they're just going to be like, what are you doing sometimes? But uh, sometimes it's also going to pay off. All right, uh, defense. We've got to talk about that. Of course, some of these opening games, like last night, are going to be opportunities for IU to experiment and for fans to find out uh, what coaches, Coach Woodson's team uh, principles are going to be. What did you take away from the defense last night and any differences maybe you noticed in game one from last season under Archie Miller? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously uh, you see the difference in – just the this this philosophy versus the pack line philosophy. I mean, I, I it never felt like you never watched Archie Miller's teams and thought that's Virginia. You know, you, you never like for as much as it was a pack line team, you never really felt like you were watching the same thing you were watching with Tony Bennett. You didn't see the same level uh, of consistency of um, you know just a, ability to sort of wall off uh, the paint like you saw with the Tony Bennett team. But you, you see some of the Looking back now, now that you're watching them play more, I guess spread out is the word, um, more aggressively on the ball and, and aggressively uh, on their men, um, you can see a difference. I mean, obviously they, they you know, with, with the pack line, the whole point is to sort of sit back in gaps and be closer to the rim uh, and be ready to protect there. And Indiana, I think, was ready to protect the rim, but still was their guy and, and more uh, – Really, you saw really quick switches, really quick rotations. Uh, that's certainly a thing Mike Woodson likes to do, especially early. You saw them do a really good job, I thought, of, of you know, doubling down when they have to, or just just moving around and, and one guy being ready to pick up somebody else's guy uh, when there's a switch, when there's a screen, when there's something like that. Um, they were really quick to that. Obviously, you saw full court pressure on the ball. 
Um, you know, Rob Fennessy, you know, just noted that, that, you know, a lot of times he would sort of sit back and wait for somebody to come across the timeline or, or be there at the timeline. In this case, he's there on the entry. Uh, you know, Fennessy was there defending 94 feet. As you saw the same thing from Xavier Johnson. That's going to be the point guard's job is to pick up the point guard and guard him for 94 feet. Um, so that is going to be a thing. Obviously, you're going to have to wear guys down, and certainly it's going to command a lot in terms of conditioning for both Tennessee and Johnson. They've got to be willing to play the whole time. There's not going to be an ability for them to sit back and wait for their man to come down the floor. They're going to guard the whole way, and they're going to try to turn guys over in the backcourt. Uh, didn't see a lot of that, but you definitely saw them um, you know, pressuring the ball, wearing guys out. Uh, and so that's definitely, I think, going to be a difference. Is just the, the overall difference is going to be pressure. Uh, the, the overall is, is is just being up in somebody uh, as opposed to sort of waiting for them to come to you. And, you know, again, we've seen the pack line work, so I don't want to sit there and, 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 and crack on the pack line because it, it won Tony Bennett in a national championship and it's got him, uh, Virginia, to be a power in the ACC, which is not something you expected to happen when he got that job. Um, but still, it's, it, it, it doesn't, they seem to enjoy it. Indiana's defenders seem to enjoy it more. Um, and it, it has its own differences, its, its own values of, of just, again, bringing more pressure um, and just just sort of just, just creating more heat, basically, is what I think they're doing. Talking with Dustin Dopirak, he's with the Bloomington Herald Times. You know, I'm curious, Dustin, you've been to a lot of IU games over the years. Uh, you've covered this beat for a couple different outlets for a, a number of years now. Uh, any differences last night, whether it was something on the floor, off the floor, I thought it was interesting to uh, to see Mike Woodson and the coaches, most of them, come out decked out in, in suits, which is different from what we saw under the Archie Miller regime. Uh, but any intricacies like that that you took away from last night that uh, maybe were different than what things were a year ago? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is just everyone's getting back to it being normal. Um, and, 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 and being open for business. I mean, like, you know, Archie did not wear a suit because, uh, that was sort of against his thing. I mean, you know, when everybody else was wearing suits, Archie was wearing suits. Everybody last year just sort of viewed the non-fan season as, you know, every day is casual Friday. Um, and, you know, shoot, we did that too. I mean, from a media perspective, I mean, we definitely dressed down last year, um, just because there was nobody in the building. I mean, it, every night felt like you were watching a glorified practice because it's like, it was like low mass. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a Catholic term, but like high mass versus low mass. When everybody's in the building, it's high mass, and that's what it felt like. Uh, closer to it last night, but it was sort of everybody was getting used to it being high mass again. Um, and uh, that there was just, you know, it, 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 it just took a while. I mean, for one thing, it was a 6 o'clock tip, you know, uh, and I'm literally driving through Martinsville as, I'm, as, as we're having this conversation. Uh, so it, it's a different ball game as far as people getting down from Indianapolis. It's a tougher situation uh, right now. So it's it, you know obviously it took a while for the fans to get there, but just getting back to it being a real game atmosphere, I think, was an adjustment for for players, for coaches, for media, for everybody. Just you know there are still rules. You know there's still masks being worn uh, in the building and stuff like that where you didn't have people really wearing masks. Uh, outdoors at the football game. I mean, this, this is just, there's just going to be an adjustment for everybody. Um, and, you know, as far as uh, what coaches are going to wear, you're going to see the, the difference. Some coaches are like to be suit people, and Mike Woodson's going to be a suit person. There's other guys that, uh, you know, I know John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski did not wear suits last night. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of going to be up to your um, – it's going to be up to the coaches now, so that's going to be sort of an interesting thing of, of who's a suit person and who isn't when it was just uh, everybody used to wear suits, so everybody did it. And now it's, some people got used to wearing sweats, and somebody, some you know guys are going to stick with that. 
so that's going to be intriguing. But I think it was just everybody getting used to just being there again. Um, you know, I thought there was a moment where Indiana fans, when Eastern Michigan got close, Indiana fans were like, we're just not going to let this happen, and got really loud and sort of reminded themselves how to do that, how to affect a game. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was nice, I think, just from a, um, from, from a standpoint of just feeling like, you know, we're, we're closer to normal uh, than we've been in a while. I mean, that, that stuff was fun to see because it's like you're in Assembly Hall and there are people there and, you know, uh, a fan base matters again, a home court advantage matters again. Um, and that just sort of tells you, okay, like we're getting closer to being through with this thing um, after, you know, a, a whole year when it, it, everything was, was not right. Dustin, final thing for you. Uh, some IU fans, including some listeners of this radio show and some readers of your work in the Bloomington Herald Times and the Indy Star, uh, overreact. I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, what's your message to those people today that are saying, oh my gosh, we were so excited about Mike Woodson, game one, the Hoosiers looked good a little bit in the first half, then the world came crashing down in the second half, Eastern Michigan almost beat us. It was almost like Indiana State, Archie Miller's first game. Um, what, what's your response to that to say, wait a moment, let's see this thing come together and remember that IU basketball hasn't been in the greatest spot, and while Mike Woodson, it appears, has made some improvements in the offseason, it's going to take a while for that all to come together. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's kind of a product of the level of offseason optimism uh, that was there. I, I think everybody just wanted to believe that, okay, you're going to bring in a new guy, and this group is going to be so much better just because he's that much, you know, I don't know, smarter or whatever. Um, you know, I, 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 like, they've got some new guys, but it's a lot of the same guys, you know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of similar players, and it's, it, they, you know, they, they also lost some of their best players. Um, you know, either to, you know, with, you know, Durham and Franklin were, um, you know, at worst two of their four best players last year. So you really had to replace them. It's like, okay, how much of an upgrade did you make an upgrade, and if so, how much? Um, you know, how much better are they talent-wise? I mean, I, I think you know you still do have to look at this in the long term and say it's like, what's better? It's how you're playing basketball long term. You know, like the, the style of play that you want what you're marketing towards, what you're able to sell, what you're able to recruit um, is better than what you had under Archie Miller. And, and, not, and I don't think Archie Miller was a dumb basketball guy. Um, I just think the way that you have to play now is wide open, and I don't think he was uh, ready to do that. Um, there just was not an exciting style of basketball, and I think you see a, a more exciting style of basketball from Mike Woods. But in the same way, um, you know, like uh, it, it, it is not a situation where he brought in, like, and new superstar freshmen, and, and, and the recruiting is just at, at, at an entirely different scale. It's better. Um, it's a tick better than the fact that he was able to, he's been able to go out and get players from out of the state where uh, you know, that, that, I think, obviously helps for the long-term health of the program. Uh, there's going to be players in the state that he's going to be able to get, um, and you know, Archie was able to do a good job of, be, of being inside out, but he had a hard time with the out part. Uh, and, and Woodson has done a better time with the out part so far. Uh, so there's there's clearly some things that are better, I, I think. That, that but it is about long term returns. Uh, you know, it wasn't going to be a situation where they were just walking and, and blow everybody's doors up. Now you you I, I can see why Indiana fans are looking. They want to say, well, you know, four and twenty four is not what I, four out of twenty four is not what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting more. Uh, and and you know, there I think fair to say that I think one thing that that. Mike Woodson has said, "Is I'm going to let them shoot. I'm going to push them to shoot." And that, 
you know, that was as advertised. Uh, he told everybody, take your shot, and they did. And they just didn't go in. So, um, you know, the hope, obviously, is, is that they're going to gain confidence by trying and trying and trying again. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't have a bunch of, lock, uh, uh, of guys that are proven knockdown lights-out shooters, and so it's going to take a while for those guys to get there. Dustin Dopirak, Bloomington Herald Times, with us on Wednesdays. The season is here. Dustin is a great resource for us on the program, and, of course, you can read his work at the Bloomington Herald Times website. Dustin, as always, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, and a couple notes as we get ready and go to break. The Trace Jackson Davis last night, his 23rd career double-double. IU now 18-5 and when Jackson Davis records a double-double. Also, the preseason All-American Jackson Davis, he moved into 55th all-time in career points in the IU program. He now stands at 970 points. Last night, he passed Isaiah Thomas on the all-time list. And this was the 10th game of Trace Jackson Davis's career where he scored at least 20 points and grabbed at least 10 rebounds. So if you want a bright spot from last night for the Hoosiers, you start with Trace Jackson Davis and you look to his front court running mate, Race Thompson. Both of those guys, I think, are set up to have really good years this season. We'll head to a commercial break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. Josh Cook is next on Local Sports This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we've got a lot to squeeze in this final segment. Let's go back to the Thornton's text line for just a moment, 502-414-1450. Texter writes, thoughts on Christian Lander, question mark, lack of minutes. I think definitely Lander, Leal. I think there were nine players that got – Uh, playing time last night. I think the closeness of the game in the second half obviously kept Lander and Leal and others out of the game maybe that were due some early season minutes. I definitely think Christian Lander gets some opportunities here early on. As I mentioned earlier today with Northern Illinois beating Washington last night, uh, maybe that'll tighten up the rotation for Friday night as well. That might be a, a tough early game for IU that we weren't expecting, so we'll see how that plays out. But thanks for the message. Also, Brad text in on the text line, those people thinking the sky is falling because of uh, that basketball game are probably the same ones that think Tom Allen should be fired from the football program. Yeah, well said, Brad, no question about that. And uh, now we go to the phone line, Josh Cook, sports editor, of the News and Tribune is my guest. Our segment on local sports each week is presented by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. You can find out more at mlshirtco.com. 
Com. Josh, a quick chat today. We've got to start with New Albany football. They won a absolute thriller on Friday night over Seymour, and now they've got a challenge against Bloomington South coming up on Friday night. That's actually where New Albany started the season on the road at Bloomington South, a 50-20 to final score. Uh, Josh, this is going to be a tough challenge at home for New Albany football. Yeah, huge Huge challenge, but uh, as they proved uh, last Friday night, you know, any, anything's possible. It's quite a comeback by the Bulldogs, uh, you know, 14 points in the last three minutes. It was a, it's, a, it's a huge comeback and a huge victory for them. Uh, but, yeah, Bloomington South is, is really, really good. Um, you know, New Albany uh, was missing quite a few players in that season opener. They had guys injured and out for COVID uh, quarantines and other stuff. So, you know, the, they should be uh, – you know, knock on wood at full strength for Friday night's game. But, uh, yeah, Bloomington South, uh, really, really good. Got a lot of talent. So, uh, you know, it, it should be a it should be a good game. But uh, I think it'll be more competitive than it was in the season opener, that's for sure. Josh, we spent some time earlier today talking about Trey Kaufman-Wren and the decision at Purdue that he's going to redshirt this season. Another local player uh, in Division One basketball that had his debut as a senior last night at Middle Tennessee uh, University was Josh Jefferson, who was on the New Albany State Championship team his senior year, and he had 16 points in his first go around with Middle Tennessee. A big effort from him. Yeah, in uh, in 18 minutes, I think so. That was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think he's like seven to 12 from the field. So, yeah, it's a uh, you know he he's he's played well at uh, you know pretty much uh, all of his stops. So uh, you know it was kind of a uh, expected to see that from Josh but yeah just uh, an impressive impressive first game for him and I know Trey Coleman was scoreless last night but his Nevada team was victorious over Eastern Washington he got some minutes though he was he was fairly productive out there in the time that he got so I'm hopeful this year of course I was counting on Trey Kaufman Wren to be uh, in the rotation of local guys that have some standout performances from time to time I definitely thought Trey uh, would get some opportunities with Purdue, and who knows what would have happened before the decision to redshirt. But I think between Coleman and Jefferson, of course, Kaufman, Wren, Cooper, Jacoby getting some early minutes at Toledo. Uh, we've got some players in, at the college level, the D1 level, to watch. And then, of course, Sean East and Kobe Barnes teaming up at John A. Logan Jr. College. And we've highlighted already a few times this season what a good start they are both off to. So lots of standouts in the college ranks, but that's kind of par for the course here based on how good hoops and sports have been in southern Indiana. Heck yeah, awesome to see uh, all, all these kids, you know, playing college ball. Uh, and, you know, it, it was, it was, I was, you know, kind of surprised by Trey Kaufman Wren, um, the decision to redshirt him. But I think in the long run it'll be, you know, it'll be good for him. I mean, he's – He's going to be a, a four-year, now five-year player there. So, you know, I think that'll just be great for his um, his development. He can get bigger and stronger. and or, or, you know, if they figure out they want to play him at the wing, you know, maybe he gets, you know, thinner and quicker. So we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's definitely going to be an exciting season to see all these local kids play college ball. No question. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. This segment presented by Major League Shirt Company. We've got about a minute left, Josh. Take us through a couple highlights so far in the girls' basketball season. What has stood out to you as far as teams and or players? Uh, big big start by Silver Creek with a victory over Brown County on Saturday night. And they got a big game coming up 
uh, against Seymour on Friday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, New, New Albany uh, is off to two and zero start. I believe Jeff's off to a two and zero start, so we've got some some good uh, some good starts for for our local schools. So that's great to see. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. You can read his coverage at newsandtribune.com slash sports. Uh, everything you need to know on local coverage with all sorts of high school activity right now you can find there. And, of course, in the daily print edition of the News and Tribune as well. Josh, thanks for being with us. Sorry to cut you short this week. We'll have more time for you next week. But appreciate your time and appreciate your coverage. Same to you, Matt. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday program. Be back with us tomorrow at 11 a.m. We've got lots to talk about. Basketball season is here. We've got you covered from an IU and Southern Indiana perspective here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.